Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao. This is a series where I talk to really cool people who are doing really cool stuff in business, entertainment, music, pop culture, and more. And I usually like to focus on stuff like their process, their identity, and personal growth. Since this is our very first episode, I'd really love your feedback on what's working and what's not. So please leave a comment if you can, or you can contact me at coffeewithbao.com. Let's get started. So let's introduce our guest. Uh, today I'm hanging out with a fellow Vietnamese American creative. She is a director, producer, and a really great storyteller. She spent years as an award-winning producer at CNN, working on shows such as Larry King Live and one of my favorites, Anthony Bourdain Parts Unknown. More recently, she's been working on her own projects and being on camera, as well as doing all of the background stuff. Um, and one of her projects is a short film for which I made the music called Quân Mười Ba, or in English, Quan 13. Um, wow, has such a great soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my friend and collaborator, Hugh Gray. Hey everyone, thanks for having me now. Of course, thank you for all of this beautiful whatever's on the table. And I wish the podcast people can see this stuff. But can you tell us what we have? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I'm a total foodie. So if you're going to come over, then I'm going to feed you. <laughs> and so I uh, made the track to Orange County and to pick up some of my favorite dishes. We have some uh, Vietnamese sandwiches or bang mi and one of my favorite favorite dishes of all time is uh, bang guong, which is rice rolls stuffed with pork and mushrooms. Mm. And then over here we have boi um, guong or summer rolls um, that are rice paper rolls stuffed with shrimp and pork. And of course, I picked up a little special treat for you, <laughs> a little bao or bao. <laughs> we have a bang bao, which uh, growing up, that's how people teased me and my name. My name is actually Bao. <laughs> this is really beautiful and thank you so much. And I think you forgot to tell people that we have Vietnamese coffee. Yeah, so That's it's been like clanking. percolating over here. Yeah, it's been brewing for a little bit while we were setting up. So um, Hugh, thank you so much. This stuff is so beautiful. And um, I'm really glad that we can have this chat. Yeah. So we are both at some point, we were Asians living in the South, which is a cool connection for me to have with you. Mm -hmm. And um, you have a fascinating Vietnamese-American story as well. And I was wondering if you can tell us about um, how your family specifically ended up in Georgia, of all places. Of course. You know, the funny thing is that I had to pretty much pull teeth to get my mother to tell me the story of how we came over from Vietnam. <laughs> because, you know, it's something that they don't really talk about. And um, it was the middle of the night. It was not planned at all. And so when they um, got on the boat, it was just my mother who was about seven months pregnant with me, my sister who was two at the time, and my father, and they could only, you know, carry what they could on their on their bodies. Yeah. And so we ended up 
in a couple different refugee camps in Thailand and in Indonesia, uh, where I was born. And we were there for maybe about six, six months. And from there, traveled to Hong Kong and got the green light to Jeez. come to America. And of all places, Waycross, Georgia, because that was where our uh, church group sponsored us. That's crazy that you traveled far and wide even before you were like the age of one. Yeah. <laughs> um, for our listeners, the Vietnamese immigrant community, I think we all have these crazy, fascinating stories mm -hmm. of like courage and hardship. And, um, you know, so for everybody here who has a business or who's paying taxes or whatever, contributing to society, like we all have these crazy stories. And it's definitely worth following up and asking people, you know, um, about their stories. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, were there things like challenges that you had growing up in the South as an Asian person? I, I, it was definitely difficult um, being one of only a handful of Vietnamese Americans, especially in the 80s when um, it was still, um, you know, not, not as diverse. Yes, not as diverse. Yeah. And the, th the thing about the South is that they, it's a lot of um, like subtle microaggressions, <laughs> you know, for example, I was um, at the checkout stand at Walmart and a woman comes up to me and says, you don't look like you belong here. But then she follows it up with, you have the most amazing skin. <laughs> and so that, that type of subtle, which I like to think of it as, you know, they, they feed you a spoonful of vinegar, but then they follow it up with like a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, and I, I, hopefully people have more exposure these days, so they're more um, open yeah. to, to other people who don't look like them, but it's definitely the type of polite racism that mm, I've mm -hmm. seen in the South. Super polite. Um, when you think about being Vietnamese or being Asian, is there like one mundane, normal thing that kind of sums that up? I think it is eating rice every day. <laughs> I don't, you know, like American culture, you have, you know, different things that you can eat. But, you know, for us, having rice every day, if there, it is not, you know, you are not full unless, unless you've had rice. That is so true. <laughs> That's really great. Um, yeah, rice and fish sauce are, mm, you know, so mm -hmm. Vietnamese. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, what those two are definitely symbols for me of being Vietnamese. Um, in addition to being like a minority in terms of race, uh, you worked for a long time in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And um, I know that women don't hold too many positions of power or decision-making positions mm -hmm. there. Were there things that were a challenge to you in terms of gender as well? It's, you know, I think working at CNN was a very like unique place because they do value diversity. Mm. And um, I had a lot of opportunities to, you know, advance and learn from peers. And so I, I would say that it's, um, if anything, the challenges came from being second-guessed a lot. Oh, interesting. 
you know? Yeah. Like, like my decision needs to, needs to be backed up by a superior. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I no, think, you know, huh? but I yeah. think what happens is because, you know, I don't want to be sink gas. That means, you know, I have to like up my A game, especially in learning about technical skills. Mm-hmm. And so they, and so they're kind of caught off guard by that. And, and they respect you more for that, for, for taking the time to, you know, learn about the ins and outs of maybe like editing yeah. or shooting. So your A game needs to be like an A++ game. Exactly, yeah. That is fascinating to learn your perspective on that, actually. Do you think there are things the industry could do to make things more fair and more less, less uncomfortable for um, minorities or women or you know, other mm-hmm. groups that are not dominant? I mean, I think you know, things are definitely changing. And one of the things that I see that um, I think is great is that um, that the thing that keeps, you know, a lot of women and minorities from positions of power is that there's so many gatekeepers mm-hmm. and now there's all these programs to help women and minorities to bake, break through. And I think, yeah, the main thing is being able to get your foot in the door and, and that's slowly changing and happening. Wait, so would it help to put more women and minorities as gatekeepers, or do you think the gatekeeper system is kind of defunct? Oh, I mean, in terms of we need to blow up the gate <laughs> is what I'm talking about, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> um, you heard her. If you are in this industry, like, the gatekeeper system, I, I feel, has, you know, definitely yeah. I've run into those a few times. Um, wow, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you moved to L.A. a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, when we met. And you've been working on your own projects now, post-CNN. Yeah. Your work, I think, focuses so much on concepts of um, cross-culture or like combination Mm -hmm. culture, which I find fascinating because, you know, that's the stuff that I've been living in since I've been in the U.S. Um, And we worked on a film together, which has a lot of good Vietnamese food. Can you give us an elevator pitch for um, Quan 13? Sure. It is a food documentary about the Vietnamese diaspora in Paris told through the lens of food. Mm, specifically different types of Vietnamese food from traditional to like more modern mm-hmm. and more experimental. Yeah. Um, we have a trailer of that, and I'm going to play it for the audience right now. It's about 60 seconds. Here we go. What does it mean to be Vietnamese around the world? There is no better place to start than Paris, where food and culture are so closely intertwined. Since the fall of Saigon in 1975, Paris has become home to one of the oldest and largest Vietnamese communities in the world, Wang Liba. I've spent my career as an award-winning journalist and producer, traveling the world with an appetite to discover how food and culture intertwine. As a refugee, I have a deep connection to the Vietnamese diaspora and have always been fascinated by the resilience with which other Vietnamese people have adapted their kitchens to their new homelands. In Paris, Vietnamese culture is often hidden in plain sight, standing out yet blending in. My journey starts in the 13th, 
but that's just the beginning. Let's take a little break. Hey friends, not sure if you know this, but I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. We're a volunteer-driven organization that provides resources, scholarships, and mentorship to Asian American creatives looking to incorporate activism into their art. We also produce events that feature these talented creators. Our last virtual concert helped over 500 people register to vote for the very first time. You can learn about and support the Slants Foundation by visiting theslants.org. Thanks, and see you soon. Let's get back to the show. Oh, that was Gwen Muiba. Yay! Um, wow, that, um, that, is, that was a really fun project to work on with you. Mm -hmm. However, for you, it must have been really challenging because it was totally bootstrapped, self-funded, yeah. <laughs> all DIY with a very small team, including myself. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think the hardest part was, or like the biggest learning was about DIYing this uh, project? I would tell people this is not how you make a documentary, <laughs> you know, because I absolutely did it the reverse. You know, how you're supposed to do it is you're supposed to, you know, put a team in place and then go shoot it. Mm -hmm. And I did the exact opposite. I went and shot it and then scrambled to put together a team to um, create it from finding an editor who also speaks Vietnamese since it was so essential. Mm -hmm. And thankfully I did find like another talented filmmaker, Richard Van, to edit it. And also Finding You, which I think was very um, serendipitous. And it was through mm. like a recommendation from another Vietnamese creative. So yeah, so I would say for my next project, I now that I have um, in place um, you know, an arsenal and a team of creatives that I can pull from to collaborate with, it's going to be a much easier process. It feels less scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a question for you that I didn't write down, which okay. is, did you conceive of this film as an excuse to go eat amazing Vietnamese food? It was, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can <laughs> I say it. that. <laughs> but, I, I, but Paris has always like been my muse like mm. the first time I visited like I knew I wanted to um, do something especially about the stories of the Vietnamese community that lives there be because they you know they're hardworking and they're really about just leave, you know putting their head down and, and it's like well somebody needs to tell their stories and if I don't do it you know as a Vietnamese person then you know no one else is Going to do it. Yeah, because those stories disappear after a generation, mm, right? Mm -hmm. They don't carry on in the same way that they do from the original source of the people doing it. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely awesome that you were able to capture some of those really great stories. Um, you haven't been in front of the camera for that long, um, and you just made that transition in the last couple of years. How does it feel to, to now be in front of the camera? I, I will say, I think even when I was at CNN, I would always look at, you know, the anchors and the talent mm -hmm. and go, man, I wish I could do that. And after leaving CNN, it, I kind of gave my own, gave myself, you know, permission to, to just do, yeah, be in front of the camera and, you know, not care about what other people think. And it's, it's, it's been a seamless 
um, transition. So. Wow, really? Did it freak you out at first? Um, it, it did, but you know, like the documentary <laughs> itself was like one of the first times that uh -huh. I was on camera. But it, thankful for me, I was more of like a conduit and it was really about, you know, yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. else's stories. Right, so. right. Cool. Um, so making Guan Mui Ba inspired you to learn some Vietnamese food recipes. Mm -hmm. um, what's been the highlight of like learning Vietnamese food? No, it's funny, the thing that um, I, I see my mother like cook every day and now I have such a newfound respect for for her cooking mm -hmm. because Vietnamese food is so full of nuance and so full of flavor mm -hmm. and it takes a very like powerful distinct palate to to really get right interesting i think a lot of the uh, reason that that is is because so much of vietnamese food is like either really delicately prepared mm -hmm. ingredients or like just raw ingredients yeah tons of raw herbs tons of um, vegetables and stuff and for a person to train to eat Vietnamese food, mm -hmm. it's about like tasting and smelling each and every ingredient, right? Mm -hmm. um, so cool. The film right now is showing at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, and um, I'm gonna show the little graphic right now. You can get passes to view the film at festival.vcmedia.org. Uh, VC stands for Visual Communications. And it's, um, the, sh the movie's running until the end of October 2020 for audiences in Southern California. Um, are there plans afterwards to make it widely available? Yeah, I'm hoping to um, get it distributed, especially like non-theatrical, mm -hmm. in that I want to get it into um, schools and high school and colleges so that when they talk about immigration and when they talk about refugees that this can be used as like a learning supplement nice. to it. That's awesome. Um, so since leaving like the corporate workplace, mm -hmm. you've been focusing on your own projects, like I yeah. said, full time. Um, was there anything that you didn't expect to learn that you learned? In the last couple years? It is becoming like a one band filmmaking machine. <laughs> Whereas before, you know, working with a major company, dozens you know, of people. Yeah, you have dozens of people, and now almost all of those responsibilities fall on your own shoulder, you know? Which is why I think it's so important for people to, to support and financially yeah. support independent creators these mm -hmm. days because um, that's where all the most like um, realistic and personal content comes from right like the stuff that we're just making you know from our laptops basically. yeah are you able to discuss any of your new projects I know you've got a, a few things going on but I don't know mm -hmm. how secret they are <laughs> well I would say that everything I do is centered around you know through the lens of food and mm. my next um, documentary is going to be um, something that's very dear and special to my heart, as well as Vietnamese everywhere. It is about the nuance and elevating our most essential ingredient, which is fish sauce. Yo, that's my song, bro. <laughs> 
So hopefully my, my songfish sauce makes it in. Yeah. Um, have there been new things that you've added to your process lately that has changed? Um, I'm definitely a lot more um, methodical. Like I do a lot of lists. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you work for yourself, you have to be very buttoned down. Mm -hmm. So. Or else you don't get anything done, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have seen artifacts of your work as a producer, and um, also you're very popular on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share your Instagram later. Okay. Um, but I've seen some artifacts of your work, and definitely it's super organized, super methodical, mm -hmm. and um, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of a planner, but you're like a planner with a capital P. <laughs> So I wonder if you have a hot tip or like a, a life hack that you can share with me and the audience about how to keep things straight and, mm -hmm. and moving because that you can organize, but it, also, it doesn't always guarantee that it keeps moving. Yeah, um, you know, by nature, I am the biggest procrastinator <laughs> you will ever meet. I will do anything not to do what I'm supposed to do. But the thing that keeps me on track is having accountability partners mm. and having the having them, you know, keep track and motivate you is has been so helpful in in my work mm. because I don't want to let anyone else down, mm. you know, and yeah. so yeah. Definitely working with a small team has um, definitely uh, increased my level of productivity mm -hmm. and I, I think it is because of that type of accountability. So um, yeah, we're all working on this stuff together and you know, whether we're an official team or not, we're like a team. Yeah. Do you have... You're like family. <laughs> <Lesson>. <laughs> What is one skill professionally or personally that you're, you're trying to level up on right now? I would say my um, technical skills. Like I am blown away how you're like doing all of this like by yourself, absolutely blown away. And I need to up my um, A game when it comes to shooting because I'm so impressed. Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> so I'm going to show you the ropes i'm gonna help you settle this stuff up Yay. because inside of your brain and your heart are incredible stories and not just like um stories as, as far as perspectives but like even fictional like creative stuff right? mm -hmm. and um you know whatever i can do to help you execute on that is i'm, t I'm all in so, um, thank you so hugh thank you for joining me and thanks for bringing lunch and coffee. Yeah. This is beautiful. <laughs> uh, so to our guest, my guest is, or to our audience, my guest is Hugh Gray. Um, you can find her at hughgray.com. And I'm going to spell it for you for the podcast listeners. H-I-E-U-G-R-A-Y.com. Our film, Guten Ba is showing right now at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival until the end of the month, and you can find it at festival.vcmedia.org. And um, do you have any closing thoughts for the audience? 
Um, well, I cannot wait to dig in to all of this delicious food. <laughs> and thank you for having me. And I'm so flattered to be like the first guest yeah. on your show. And I wish you nothing but the best. It's, oh, you know, it's you. great to, great what you're doing, hearing, you know, the stories behind the creative process for all these artists and people making stuff, you know? Yeah, thank you for being my guest. And um, hang tight, I'm gonna give a little closing statement to the audience and then we can eat some food. <laughs> awesome. Uh, cool, guys, thank you so much for joining me um, for this first episode of Coffee with Bao. If you like the show, you can support me by subscribing and leaving some feedback in the comments. Um, or you can contact me at coffeewithbao.com. If you can financially support me in making all of this content, you can buy me a coffee at coffeewithbao.com. Thank you so much for having coffee with Bao. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bonus content, you guys. Hugh has a surprise for me. <laughs> so I know how much you love trying like different interesting foods. So I got you some <sighs> oh, salted no. egg fish skin for us to try today. Whoa, <laughs> let me see this bag. I'm gonna show this to the camera. Screenshot this, you guys. Salted egg flavored salmon skin salmon fish skin chips yeah i'm gonna try it and yeah. if this ends up on the podcast you will hear how crunchy this fish skin <laughs> chips is ladies first okay thank you. i've been dying to try it myself too wow it's a lot thicker than i was anticipating oh man don't set me up for a that's what she said joke <laughs> Okay. Salted egg fish skin. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Oh my god, I'm gonna eat the whole bag. Mmm. <laughs> it kind of tastes like chicarones. Yeah. Kind of. Mm. But fishy, a little bit. Awesome. Thank you, Hugh. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.